Welcome to Conversations with Big Rich. This is an interview-style podcast. Those interviews are all involved in the off-road industry. Being involved, like all of my guests are, is a lifestyle, not just a job. I talk to competitive teams, racers, rock crawlers, business owners, employees, media and private park owners, men and women who have found their way into this exciting and addictive lifestyle. We discuss their personal history, struggles, successes, and reboots. We dive into what drives them to stay active and off-road. We all hope to shed some light on how to find a path into this world we live and love and call off-road. Whether you're crawling the Red Rocks of Moab or hauling your toys to the trail, Maxxis has the tires you can trust for performance and durability. Four wheels or two. Maxxis tires are the choice of champions because they know that whether for work or play, for fun or competition, Maxxis tires deliver. Choose Maxxis. Tread victoriously. If you still love the idea of a printed magazine, Something to save and read at any time. Forlow Magazine is a magazine for you. Forlow cannot be found in a storefront or on a bookshelf, but you can have it delivered to your home or place of business. Visit ForlowMagazine.com to order your subscription today. On today's episode of Conversations with Big Rich, we are talking to Drew Burrows. Drew is uh, the owner of Goat Built. Um, he went to Cal Poly Pomona and was in the Poly Goats Club, I imagine, and uh, has been around the four-wheel drive industry most of his adult life. So, Drew, thank you for coming on board and, uh, you know, spending some time talking with us. Yeah, hey, good good to talk to you, Rich. I've been a, ba- I've been a fan of the show and um, glad to be on and kind of tell my story. That's um, awesome. I guess first... First off, it's it, I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Oh, did, which is <laughs> did I say Pomona? You said Pomona, oh, which geez. is like it's it's I I don't care, but it's like that kind of like rival. Like oh, I went to I went to Cal Poly San Luis. I went to <laughs> the real Cal Poly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a friend that went to Pomona. Oh yeah, yeah. As an architect, and for some reason, I always say that. But the girl that I went through high school is as being like boyfriend girlfriend went to San Luis Obispo. Oh, and cool. So I should know, but I, I always say Pomona. So I apologize <laughs> well, yeah. for that. Oh, no, no, no. That's fine. I don't know. I don't know if you want to start over or edit it. No, we'll just, um, we're going to leave that part in. I don't mind yeah. making mistakes. I don't make them very <laughs> often. So <laughs> so let's, uh, let's jump right in. And uh, were you born and raised in that area? No, I, I, I was actually born in North Carolina. Oh, wow. You know, my, I, I grew up. I grew up in Central Valley, California, because my parents were from there. But my parents were living out in North Carolina at the time and, and had me there. Um, so I, you know, at nine, when I was nine, my family moved back to California. So, um, but yeah, I grew I grew up there, like kind of, you know, out in the woods, playing in the woods all day, all night, you know, and and had a blast blast living there. Then then we moved to. Central Valley, so it's it's a little town, kind of Wasco McFarland, just off ninety nine north of Bakersfield. Yeah, that's kind of like a. At one time, that was nothing more than really a gas station stop. Yeah, right, right. 
Yeah, now it's all prisons, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Prison town. Well, they got to put uh, them somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like I said, when I was nine, my, my, my dad, so we actually moved. So my family had a 320 acres that my, my dad grew up on, you know, when he was a kid. So we moved back to that. My, you know, my, my parents are the house my dad grew up in. Um, How old so, were you uh, when that happened? So I was, I was nine. Nine, okay. Um. So, you know, went to a little school there, little tiny school. I mean, there was 12, 12 kids in my class, you know. Um, so I grew up around there. Um, I went to McFarland High School, which is some people know there's a movie called McFarland USA with Kevin Costner. That was like my high school and like when I was there. So it's a funny, funny, you know, Hollywood picture made about, you know, my high school and oh, I, mean, really? I had nothing to do. Nothing. It was like a, a, a story about all the cross country. uh you know, a lot of the Hispanic migrant farm workers running cross country. And so it was a, it was a pretty good, like Disney movie, but it's, it's pretty good. But so that's kind of, you know, I was not involved in the, the sport or anything, but it was just kind of a funny story about where I grew up, you know? Okay. Um, so my, my dad, my dad's a helicopter mechanic, um, you know, went to Vietnam, learned that when he went to Vietnam, you know, he, he was a crew chief and on a Huey. Um, and after that, he just, you know, he learned a skill and, and after, after he got out, he just kind of did that the rest of his life. So he, he, he was in North Carolina working, um, you know, doing that there. there. He worked for this missionary group called JARS and they, um, they basically did like, it was missionaries and they supported them. Like they had junk, they had, uh, aviation and radio and Bible translators. So they would like fly the, you know, they had this whole little aviation department where they'd get all the missionaries out i mean this is like papua new guinea and the philippines and just pretty remote jungle areas so they'd get all the missionaries out there and and uh you know out with little small 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 planes and helicopters and then they had radios for them to communicate you know this is you know the 70s you know right um and they also had part part of the organization that they translated the bible and all the you know whatever the native languages are so the the government gave them some uh some surplus helicopters but they had to be completely overhauled so my dad you know he went back there and and um basically you know overhauled or rebuilt these helicopters and then kind of when they got done they he moved back so um so yeah yeah back so back to california you know moved back and my dad had a shop at our house and and he just worked on helicopters there you know basically all the kind of crop dusters around there had had the old bell and hiller you know still piston engine, you know, old helicopters and, you know, spraying. So he, he just worked on them, you know, locally around there, you know, he had customers all up around the Valley. So I kind of grew up, you know, in the shop and literally working, you know, working on helicopters is, you know, ever since I can remember. That's interesting. Most, most of us in this industry worked on, on cars, not helicopters. Oh yeah. I mean, and I did, you know, once I started driving, I got, I got in the cars, but right. you know, that's kind of my, kind of my background. You know, my dad, you know, he, he had a, you know, he had a CJ two a, when he was in high school driving around that farm and you know, the, the you know, would have been the, you know, early sixties, late fifties, you know, that was his car was his old, you know, flat fender Jeep back then. Awesome. Um, basically, yeah, I, I kind of, I just grew up, you know, around, mechanical stuff and you know i was you know your typical kind of engineer kid that you know took all his toys apart and took everything apart in the house and figured out how to work and try to put it back together and 
um, you know, is always building stuff and, you know, doing your typical kids running around, you know, kids running around outside all day type stuff. So did you grow up riding bicycles or motorcycles, ATVs? A little, a little bit. We, you know, I had a little ATV. We just drove around the farm kind of, but not, not like really like riding on trails or nothing, but, but yeah, I had a little Yamaha, you know, ATV, um, you know, as a, you know, you know, 10 to 10 to 13 year old or whatever. Um, then I kind of got, I got into skateboarding for a while, you know, and I was kind of into that. And, you know, I, then I was like in my yard building, building half pipes and building ramps, you know, my dad's like, Oh, here's a, here's a saw. (laughs) I have my own hammer and saw and go to the lumber yard, buy some wood and, you know, start building stuff, you know? Did you, did you draw them all out first? Uh, uh, probably. I don't, I guess I don't remember. Worry about stress loads. and (laughs) No, I, (laughs) I wasn't that, uh, I wasn't that, uh, up on that stuff at the time, but I'm sure I did. I, I was like, I did a lot of like, I wasn't really like an artist, but like in school I would be drawing airplanes and, and, you know, I, I was, I couldn't draw a person or an animal, but I could draw a helicopter or an airplane and I could make a pretty dang good, you know, to scale drawing of, of whatever kind of, you know, machine I was into, you know, um, so as, I guess that was like the pre must have been the pre CAD days, you know, right? Um, when you're draw, drawing cars or planes or helicopters, probably mostly airplanes and helicopters because that's kind of what we were into at the time. So living down in the valley out there in that Was- Wasco area, yeah, going to a school that had twelve in your class. Well, that, yeah, that was up to eighth grade, but oh, yeah, that was up to eighth grade. Okay, yeah. And what was uh, what was it like having such a small class? I mean, and you did that for what? probably four or five years then? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I didn't like it, you know, cause I just, you know, I came, you know, growing up in North Carolina, it was green and it was green and I had kids in the neighborhood. You just go across the street, you know, just run around. And then we moved out to like the, the farm. So there was like nobody around, you know? Right. And then it was hot. I mean, you know, it's hot and it's dry, <laughs> you know? So it, it's a definitely a different culture shock and, you know, and, um, you know, I'm, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the white kids are the minority there. So it's definitely like, you know, everyone speaks another language or, and whatnot. So it's definitely, definitely different, different place to grow up. But, uh, but it was, I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's pros and cons there too. I mean, we had, you know, you had the mountains there. So I'm, you know, we, we went up to the mountains a lot, you know, all this, this year is, you know, east of, east of Visalia, you have all the Sequoia forest and, all just all kinds of stuff up in the mountains up there. So, you know, I went up there a lot with my dad, um, if the mountains there and then, and then the desert beyond that, you know? Yeah. Did you have the, uh, like the aqueducts nearby? Yeah. 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 We would, uh, yeah, we would, uh, water ski behind the Jeep in high school and those, you know, <laughs> I was wondering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're not supposed to swim in those, are you? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> some of them, I mean, there's some that are like the, you know, the, I guess the little ones are like the drainage from the fields. You don't want to swim in those, but some of them are the water coming down from, you know, basically coming down from, from the Sierra. So those probably aren't too bad. Right. Okay. And, uh, when you were of school age, say before high school, were you studious? Were you a good student? I was a- 
I, I was okay. I mean, I was, I think, you know, I was pretty smart. So I was bored. So I kind of, I mean, I, I got good, I got decent grades, but I didn't try, you know, and just cause, you know, it was just kind of, you know, I was, or were I don't you know. one of those that tested well? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Tested well, but nece- <laughs> not necessarily did all the work. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, how much work do you do in fifth grade, you know, but sixth yeah, grade, I don't but, remember, but fifth yeah, grade, I but, sat behind the, the piano yeah. almost the whole year. Right. <laughs> but I, I think I was, I was, I had behavior issues cause I was bored, you know, cause right. I knew the stuff and, you know, I was kind of, you know, I wasn't like, I wouldn't say I was ahead of everybody, but everybody was kind of behind the, the grade level. So I was kind of cruising through and bored and, and whatnot. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I was, I was good in, in, you know, elementary high or, or, you know, up to eighth grade. And then, um, kind of got into baseball for a while, you know, all through high school and, you know, 13 year old, I kind of got big into base playing baseball. So I kind of, that kind of kept me busy. What was your um, preferred, what was your preferred position? I was catching and pitching. Okay. So I just like, you know, you know, baseball, like, you know, if you're in the outfield, you're kind of not doing much a lot. So I kind of wanted to be in the action all the time. So I was you like, can't get in the ca- action any more than, than the catcher. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't be a catcher, you know? And, and, uh, I was, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it and, and had fun at it. And, um, so I kind of did that, you know, all through high school. Um, you know, our team wasn't, our, what our team wasn't anything, you know, anything special, but, but I, you know, I did okay. Um, how are your and, knees now? Oh, uh, you know, I, God, I don't think they're bad. Hmm, I don't that's think good. You're, catching, you're lucky. Yeah. I don't, okay. catching isn't bad because you're just squatting, but I think, you know, the kids that played football and stuff where you're, you're running and, and, you know, get twisted knees and that's, that's probably the guys that have knee problems. All right. Do you have a lot of collisions at the plate? I don't think so. You know, okay. I, you know, I, I'm sure at that level, they, you know, even back then they probably like, didn't allow it, you know, so it was kind of not a, not a thing you did, I think. <laughs> so like when I went to college down in Santa Barbara, I didn't go to Santa Barbara, but I went to a, a private college down there for photography actually. And oh, right. We, uh, a bunch of us got together and created a, a softball team and played open league down in Santa Barbara. And down there you play pretty much all year long. And, yeah. uh, I played catcher down there and we had, I had a lot of collisions, but that yeah. was an open league adult, you know, pretty much an adult league. Right. And sometimes it was more, I think we, <laughs> we started playing softball and ended up playing hockey is yeah. what it was more like. <laughs> so then when in, when, when did you decide that you wanted to go into engineering? So yeah, so in high school, um, you know, I, I actually, you know, I actually was I had straight A's in Valley Victorian in high school, so oh, I wow. was I did pretty pretty well. Um, again, it was I know I guess I'm not bragging, but it wasn't our, our our high school wasn't that like you know it was you know it wasn't that hard I guess, but uh, but yeah, I, you know I did I did really good at math and I did you know really good at science and. And then, you know, so, you know, you turn 16 and you kind of start driving or getting more into cars. And, and, uh, I, you know, I wanted to get a Jeep. I don't know why, but 
you know, my dad had a Jeep when he was a kid, maybe, I don't know, but so I wanted to get a Jeep and my dad's all like, okay, you know, he's all, he's all going home about it cause he's in the Jeeps or was in the Jeeps. So, um, so we had this, uh, 70, I think it was a 72 Jeep Wagoneer. Um, you know, my parents had had it since, you know, I was, you know, you know, I was probably, you know, riding around in it. My mom was pregnant, you know, and right. you know, they had it that old. So that was our family car in the seventies, you know? So, um, so my dad had like put a diesel, this old Oldsmobile diesel in it. Wow. And, and, uh, yeah, he was on this. The Your old, dad was pretty you know, handy then. Not oh yeah. Just, yeah I, that, that probably comes from, you know, wrenching on stuff in the, in, on helicopters. I mean. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, so he, he so it, it had, you know, those, those are like, a, um, those are like the worst engines. So it, it blew up. So the Jeep right. sat forever. Um, so then I'm like, Hey, I want to drive. I'm like, well, we'll drive this thing. So then we, we pulled out the diesel engine and put a, a just a small block, built a small block 350, you know, some, some, you know, somebody gave us some small block and, you know, you know, totally budget back then. So we put a small block, uh, Chevy in it and, you know, pretty, you know, pretty simple. So I drove that for a little bit and then, uh, and then I ended up getting at the time, you know, I was probably 16 still. We, I got a, um, it was an 83 CJ seven. Oh, nice. So I, you know, like I wasn't in a four wheeling at the time. I just wanted to get a Jeep, you know, and God, this was, you know, 92 or something. So, you know, you get a, you know, 10 year old Jeep isn't, you know, too terribly expensive. So, so we got, I got a CJ and then, you know, then I kind of started getting the four wheel drive magazines and you're like, Oh, let's, you know, let's lift it and do, you know, you kind of start seeing all the stuff you can do because back then it was just magazines and no internet. So you fell down the rabbit hole. Oh yeah. It's funny. I listen to a lot of podcasts and everybody like half the people are that way, you know, Oh, I got this Jeep and then I bought a magazine. And, <laughs> um, and it's funny, you know, you know, everybody reads the four wheeler and, off-road back then you know off-road was just the big mud trucks with the light bars and in four-wheeler was you know they all had their little niches i guess right and uh, so my sister lived my sister lived in brea so you know orange county right and i'd go down there and then down there they had four drive sport utility on the you know on the rack you know so which is totally you know totally like hard more you know hardcore four-wheeling as they did back then you know right and this was like the early days i mean i probably started buying some of the first issues, you know, with Phil Howell in them. So, so that was like, it totally, you know, kind of, that's my thing, you know? So, um, so then I just started kind of, you know, doing modifications to the Jeep and you know, I, you know, I'm 16, 17, didn't know what I was doing, but my dad would, dad would help me out and, you know, you know, do, do, do stuff, you know, do little stuff here or there and, and fix it up. So, so yeah, we drove that in high school. Literally, I mean, I was my daily driver. We just drove it everywhere, you know. Um, you know, no, no top and doors in the summer because it's a hundred degrees, and and you know, soft top in the winter. Um, so, what was uh, valedictorian? Played baseball. Right. Any other sports? No, that was it. That was it. Okay. Um, yeah. And like, uh, you know, once you kind of once you start driving and you know driving and doing stuff, you kind of. And people will just you kind of lose interest in sports, but but I still played a lot of baseball and and you know did that. And then you, I, I would imagine you started off with like 
mechanical drawing or something like that? Yeah, yeah, we had some CAD. We had some kind of basic. Oh, that's right. You were you know, like in the nineties. Not not CAD, but we had basic drafting in high school. Okay, and and that was kind of cool to me. Like, oh, this is kind of you know more the you know the old technicals. You know, the big board with the with the big like I forget what it's called, the big arm with the ruler. You know, right. Um, so I did a little bit of that and kind of that was interesting to me. And then, you know, so, so I was kind of like, you know, back then everybody's like college, 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 you know, where are you going to go to college? It wasn't, you know, you know, they should have done more trade school stuff, but, but that's what it was. So, so, you know, I'm like, well, what, what, where am I going to go to college and what I want to do? So, you know, I just kind of, you know, based on kind of what I was interested in and and thought I was good at, I'm like, well, I want to be a mechanical engineer and I want to, I want to, you know, I want to design cars or trucks or, you know, off-road stuff. You know, I, you don't really know what you want to do. You probably, probably wanted to be like, I'm going to go work for GM or something or who knows, but but that's kind of like, I want to do that. You know, you want to do that. So then, um, so yeah, so basically, you know, I just kind of applied to, applied to some of the state schools and, and got into Cal Poly there, um, which is, which is a top, a really good, a really good undergrad engineering school. Um, it's huge, you know, it's huge in ag, but it's definitely like a, a really one of the top undergrad engineering schools. So, um, and it was local. I mean, it's two hours from, you know, you know, everybody in the Valley, Fresno, Bakersfield goes over to San Luis Obispo, Pismo, you know, that's where everybody goes for vacation or weekends or whatever. So, um, so it was, it was fairly close and, and cheap at the time, you know, it was a state school. Right. What did on the the acreage that you guys family acreage? Yeah. What was what was being grown? So yeah, we you know we never we never farmed it. My my grandfather did way back, you know. But then they they just leased the land out for years. Okay. So at the like when I first moved out there, it was cotton, cotton and alfalfa, and I think the cotton kind of started the stock cotton kind of started going away around there later um but it was mostly cotton and alfalfa on on our property just the guys that leased it that's kind of what they grew but there was a lot of around us was a lot of vineyards and then a lot of almonds right and you know though but those things are you know those take those are in there for years or decades you know um you know the cottons is a seasonal you know annually annual thing or whatever um but but i think more and more a lot of it's going more towards almonds and pistachios and, and grapes. So, um, so that's kind of what, the, you know, I did, I didn't do much farming, but just kind of just grew up out there and, you know, I was around a lot of stuff and did you the, have the guy that go, go ahead. I said the guy, the guy that like leased our land, he did a lot of, um, grape harvesting. So he had these big, you know, he did like harvesting for a lot of people around there. So he had this whole fleet of these, I don't know if you've ever seen a grape picker, it's this big machine that like it's all hydraulic driven. It's this big machine that like it drives over the rows of grapes and it has these fingers and it just like not vibrates the whole vine and knocks the grapes off into a conveyor. And then it, you know, there's a tractor with a big bucket driving beside it. So they did a lot of the, the grape harvesting. Okay. That's interesting. I, so I'd never seen grapes harvested. I know Shelly wants to, go and do a harvest picking. Oh, you know, right. Go out and volunteer and and pick grapes. 
Um, well, they do. They do like the wine and juice grapes. They do it with a machine because it's messy. But the table grapes are all hand picked. You know. Okay. So. So uh, yeah, the you know it, it was messy, and they did it at night when it was cooler, and it just God, you never seen so many bugs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why you know I, I'm not real, I'm not a big fan of spiders. Oh right, you know, and and it's more of the webs, but you know, I never could imagine picking bananas or you know shipping them or anything because I I've seen photographs of what some of the spiders are that live in those banana bunches. And it's oh, like, there's, there's no freaking way anybody's getting me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so then from, uh, from high school to, uh, to Cal Poly, what was, uh, what was that transition? Like you said, you went oh. to a pretty good high size high school though. Oh no, the McFarland wasn't big. I mean, okay. there was, you know, there was a hundred kids in our graduating class, I believe. Okay, it's maybe. still pretty small. So it's not. It wasn't. You know, at the time, it wasn't that big. Um, but but yeah. So I went to you know basically went to Cal Poly. You know, just next year after high school. Uh, so I was a mechanical engineering major. Um, you know, and then you go. So like you know the the spring. You know, you start in the fall. So the spring before they have like their open house. So I went to the open house, and I, you know they have all the clubs there doing their little kind of displays and stuff so they had so that's when i saw like the poly goats so that was like the um that was like the the college four-wheel drive club you know poly goats and they had like you know they got a bunch of big rocks somebody stacked in the parking lot and they had some some of their trucks and stuff so met some of those guys so then you know fall came around started school so i started like kind of going to the meetings and hanging out with those guys and were you commuting were you did you take your cj7 with you Oh yeah, okay. yeah. No, I we moved over there. So yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was my car for, God, you know, from sixteen to, I don't know, twenty four, twenty five. You know. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, pretty much drove it every day. So, uh, but yeah. So I yeah, we drove. Uh, you know, took the jeep and and moved over there. Um. So you know, when right around there, that's like the you know, there's like the Pismo sand dunes, which is big. So we were out there all the time because that's just kind of the the place you could go i guess at the time so we you know we go out there on all the big weekends because everybody from the valley comes out there and they're you know toy haulers and trucks and and everything else so we just like run around all weekend in the dunes and you know it's amazing how how capable almost any four-wheel drive is if you air it down pretty low you know and and most of those people didn't even know it so you're just out there pulling people out and you're like you know you could air down and go anywhere you want you know <laughs> um and then, you know, all the people, the toy haulers crossing the creek, you get stuck. So we just go out there and like pull people out and, you know, you know, make it make 20 bucks or something. But, um, but yeah, so I started beer doing, money. you know, kind of, yeah, totally pre, pre, <laughs> pre, pre beer money. But, um, so I started, you know, doing, getting pretty involved with the, with the four drive club and, and, you know, met a couple good, you know, I mean, honestly, like all my best lifelong friends are from the club, you know, cause we all, we're all, you know, four-wheel drive guys are all kind of like a, you know, kind of similar kind of, you know, you know what I mean? I don't, yeah. I don't know the words, but just kind of like the same type of guy, you know, kind of. So, you know, and, and you know, you know, you, you know, you go to all the events you go to, like 99% of all the people there are like all super cool, you know. Absolutely. Um, 
so so anyway yeah a lot of my um so i ended up you know meet all my best friends were in the club and ended up being like roommates with them all and you know kind of hanging out with them all through high school um a lot of them were few of them were mechanical engineering guys a lot of them you know a couple of them were uh civil engineering or construction management or whatever but um so yeah we just kind of started you know going on you know we do a couple trips a year you know nothing too crazy nothing too far and we'd always go you know we you know you know we had like Ducey or some um what i can't think of the name there's all the trails up out of fresno shaver lake area there's like there's a god i can't think of it right now but there's Ducey or and and uh that's and the rubicon yep. yeah yeah then there's you know rubicon and i mean we just basically did all that stuff in the summertime and in the winter time we just did some some of the other we we kind of kyle full drive had you know some of their kind of big big events that we you know we go to some of those uh just around our own so did but, you uh, have so did you have roommates um were you dorm or did you have like apartments or houses or yeah, I first year like I actually had my my aunt my like an aunt and cousin and uncle lived over there so I lived with my lived with them my first year and got an apartment with a with a high school friend the next year but then the third year you know some of my cow, you know poly goat buddies you know, his parents bought a house there basically you know it was like here you're going to be you're going to be here for 4 or 6 years you know We'll just buy a house and you guys rent it out. And that that's you know, a good investment if you could do dude, it. I know that's dude, a couple of people I went to college with did the same thing. Oh yeah, so, I mean at the time, I mean they bought probably bought this house for 120 grand, and you know eight years later they sold it for 350. You know, so but it was nice because like you know it was, it was kind of our house and rent was cheap and two you know two of my two of you know my you know poly goat buddies you know they live there so we were just kind of building building stuff in the garage all the time and then my other friend marvin and dylan they lived not far and you know similar deal they you know had a couple off-road guys in their house and and you know we set up a shop in their garage just you know building you know building uh you know doing all our stuff you know um one thing i was gonna i was i forgot to say earlier but like the 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 cow poly uh was was cool with the poly goats is they had all these old photo albums and in the club i can't remember the club went back a long time i mean the club was i mean that club went back to the 70s i can't i can't remember oh you're making me feel old now because i started (laughs) driving in the 70s okay well but i mean but but it's funny how at the time you know we're, we're 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 reeling these like you know a couple guys had early Broncos, which were seventies, you know, and, you know, everybody had CJs, which were mostly, you know, a lot of seventies. So, you know, at the time, you know, and it was, so it's cool. We had all these old photo albums from Polly goats from back in the seventies. And they're, they're wheeling these like brand new, you know, brand new early Broncos and brand new CJs. So it was kind of funny to see, see the, kind of the old drunk we were driving and back then some of them had you know brand new ones you know right in, in all stock but you could get you know like when the broncos first came out i'll bet they were less than two thousand dollars oh yeah yeah you know that's and nowadays my god those things are yeah, oh yeah fortune <laughs> uncut oh yeah totally yeah it's funny how like yeah i got i have a one of my good friends gordon he he had a early bronco and he 
did everything to it. I mean, he actually narrowed, cut the body and narrowed it, you know? Wow. And you're like, the things you're like, the things like a piece of junk now, but you're like, God, I think it would have been worth a lot of money if you left it stock. <laughs> Little did and we even know. Like, yeah. Oh, totally. Um, so anyway, yeah, we, um, um, I forgot what path I was on, but, um, and talking about the photo albums and yeah, and you guys live in a um, couple yeah, of so, different houses. Yeah, we had so anyway. Yeah, we had a you know we had a good group, uh, just a core group of kind of club guys that were just we're all good friends, and you know we you know again some of them had we had a lot of classes together and and just kind of helped each other build things and, and did, went on trips and then just hung out you know hung out all the time. So that was, it was a good time. So did you work at all? Through high school oh. or college? Yeah, so in college, I got I got a job at Jiffy Lube, you know, okay. which was which was a good experience, you know. God, you get to see, you know, I. It's funny, you know, I was not that I was like sh- very shy, but some kids just aren't, you know, experienced talking to people, you know. But Jiffy Lube was kind of a good a good job because you, you know, you you know you had to like you know, when somebody brought their car in, you had to go kind of like try to sell them an air filter or a, yeah, you had to like upsell them some service, you know? Right. So, so, you know, you first start, you're just like scared, like, you know, don't, you know, super nervous and, 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 you know, over, over a period of time, you just kind of like learn to talk to people and, and, you know, learn, you know, just learn a skill. And, and, you know, I, I just, you know, I, you know, you, you do a little everything there, but you know, it's just a normal job that you just learn how to, you know, any job, you learn some basic skills and showing up on time and talking to customers and you know, having coworkers and common stuff. So I did that for a few years and then I got a job. So at, at, at Cal Poly, they, they had a place called the Arrow Hangar. It was a legit, like there used to be an airstrip there with a big hangar. Um, and so the hangar was like a machine shop that all the all the students could use to build their projects because students either had, you know, most of the students had like a senior project where they had to like design and build something. And then throughout the, throughout the courses, you, sometimes you'd have class projects where you'd have to build something. And then you had, um, they had the, the SAE club. I, th- I think I've probably talked to some guys. So there's the formula SAE, which is like a little kind of race car, right? you know, and then there's the Baja mini Baja. So I was actually never involved with the clubs, but I, so, so we had this shop there that all the students use. So they had like student, basically students working at the shop to like open doors and check out tools and just kind of, you know, work or run, run the shop basically. Right. You know, you weren't, you were just kind of helping the students and, and whatnot. So I got a job doing that, which was awesome because it's like you had pretty easy hours, but the, but you got keys to the shop. So we were, Mm -hmm. So we got keys to the shop and we could go in there literally anytime we wanted. And we had mills and lays and welders and, and bandsaws and kind of, you know, they have really nice stuff now, but back then it was like, I, we must've got like military surplus stuff, you know? So we had some big old, you know, stuff that used to be on a battleship or something, you know, in a machine <laughs> shop. But, but, but anyway, so, you know, it was cool. Cause yeah, you know, you, you hang out with all the, the club guys that, you know, and, and get to know all those guys and then, you know, you help students. So, so it was a good experience. Just, I mean, like, like I said, we had keys to the shop and we could literally go in there anytime we wanted. So, I mean, there was times we, we just like all our buddies, we're going to go in there all night. We just be in there literally all night 
you know, order some pizzas and sodas and, you know, work on something all night, you know, building, you know, just cranking some stupid part out of a, on a mill, on a manual mill and lathe, you know? Um, but, but yeah, so you kind of learn, learn all that stuff. And, and then you learn how to like, kind of you know, deal with, you know, the student, like this, you know, the students would be kind of like employees almost or customers where you kind of learn to kind of like, you know, manage or wrangle these kids that, you know, you know, I was, you know, you know, you get that you get guys like me that grew up wrenching on stuff and it's not a big deal. But then half those engineering students like didn't know, you know, they'd never turned a screwdriver, you know, so they didn't know the difference you, between a flat and a Phillips. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you, you get all types. So you get those kids and you kind of have to like kind of, you know, guide them or teach them and stuff. So, so it was a good experience. So I basically did that all through, you know, all through, uh, college and in the in the summers i'd usually go home and like work for my dad or you know work for um you know one of us one of us customers had a helicopter and a spray truck so i'd go work for him in the summer um it's funny i think back about uh like right after our high school one of my dad's customers he got this helicopter and a big spray truck you know they, they have these big trucks it's like an old you know f700 or whatever with a you know thousand gallon water tank right and then, you know, a couple hundred gallons of fuel for the helicopter and the, the helicopters would land on top of it and you'd be underneath and you would like mix all the chemicals and then you, you'd pump it, you know, you'd fill the, fill the chemicals all like liquid. So you'd mix it with water and chemicals okay. and they, they'd land on it. Did they have like yeah. a platform to land oh, on? Oh yeah. It'd okay. have a, yeah, it'd have a, they'd have some big water tanks on the back and then they'd have like a big platform on top. Okay. So they'd literally, you know, you kind of be like. Like if it was like a truck, the helicopter would land on top of the cab and then you'd be kind of in a bed, you know, you know, working. So, you know, they'd have tanks on the side. So you would, um, you know, they'd land and we'd, we'd fill it up, you know, with whatever they're spraying and, and, uh, you know, and, and fill it with fuel. But I just, it's funny how like <laughs> you, you think back and you're like, I mean, I was like just 18 and I'm like, you know, he's like, I got this, you know, 26,000 pound truck, you know, it's an old Ford with a <laughs> manual transmission, non-synchro with, with a, you know, two speed rear end. And, and, you know, this is before cell phones and GPS, you know, and he'd be like, you know, I, and we did, we'd start early too. And we'd be like, you know, five in the morning, we'd show up at his place and he's like, okay, here's the map. Go, go here and fill up with, go to the airport, fill up with fuel and, and, and meet me here at this time. And then, We'd, we'd be there, you know, and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and truck could break down, have to figure out how to fix it or whatever. And, and, uh, it's just funny how you think back, you're like, God. <laughs> so there's one question I wanted to ask you. It's going to be a jump back for a little bit, but yeah, the, the Jiffy Lube, was that a standalone store or was it part of like Sears at that time? Oh, it was, so it was a franchise. So okay. basically there was, there was like a local guy that would basically just like, you know, he owned like, you know, six or seven stores. So okay. it was basically from like Paso, you know, Paso, Atascadero, San Luis, Santa Maria, you know, Santa Barbara, you know, whatever. So okay. they owned, he owned like six or so stores. Did they later, did they later like get bought out by Sears or something? Well, or? when I, I worked at Sears... Oh, a number of different times, but 
there was one point where Sears and Jiffy Lube combined, and in some of our Sears stores, we would, you know, provide a bay or two for the oil changes. And it was, uh, I don't remember if, if, if those employees were ours or Jiffy Lubes and they just kind of like were a leasee. I I think they were a leasee or something. They weren't part of the auto centers because at that point I was an auto center manager and I don't remember having to deal with those guys except when, you know, our customers would come back and say, you know, my engine blew because the guy didn't, you know, tighten the oil filter down, something like that, you know. (laughs) I think the first month that we had an oil change place in the store in San Rafael that I had, I think we... I think we had like four or five engines that had to be replaced. Yeah. And, it's you know, funny it was... that, yeah, the, the, uh, it, it, you know, basically like the, the Jiffy Lube, you know, little franchise, you know, they had like a, you know, the, you know, they have like, you know, they have all these sales goals, right. You know, Oh, right. you know, we, we want to have like an average of, you know, $86 a car, you know, you know, your average ticket and, you know, so they, you know, push everybody to be upselling on all the services, you know, and, and then there was also like their, basically it was like their damage. I forget what they called it. It was like their damage, like total. So like, okay, we're up to like $2 and 50 cents a car and damage, you know, total damages. They just took their, you know, total damage (laughs) dollar amount divided by their total cars. So you had the statistic, you know, so you had them and you get some kind of bonus, you know, if you, if you, if they met their like sales goals and then, you know, if their sales goals were above whatever value and then the, the, the kind of like damage, damage amount was below (laughs) whatever value. But it's funny how like, uh, you know, it's it's funny when you put it that way, like, okay, there's, you know, $3 per car that we're like paying out for, you know, just like you said, just blowing up engines and, and, you know, whatever. I mean, I'm sure one God, I think one time, yeah, I was there. Uh, I'm sure some, one of the, one of the girls that worked there, like, you know, took off somebody's dually fenders, you know, and then <laughs> trying uh, to pull into too narrow of a bay door. <laughs> yeah. But we, Cause they had these little, like in between there was two bays and then in between they had a little, like a little kind of an Island for the, for the computers, you know, um, and I, I always like to work underneath, you know, just cause like you kind of didn't have to talk to anybody and stuff. And, but then you had, you had two bays, you had two bays to do two or three sometimes. And so sometimes if you were busy, you were busy. And, you know, I remember cause you, you know, you drain the oil and then you'd say like all clear, you know, oil plugs in or whatever, then they'd fill it. And I remember one time they basically like, <laughs> I drained the oil and they filled it and it went back out and they started the car. You're like, Oh, wait a minute. I don't know that thing had oil in it. <laughs> What's that fill noise? It back up and don't, <laughs> fill it back up and don't say anything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, okay, let's, let's jump back to, uh, yeah. to Cal Poly and the, the helicopter working in the fields, like on your, so what kind of stuff were they spraying? Oh, um, was it God, more like fertilizers remember. and stuff or? Yeah, it was all God. It was the, the nastiest stuff one time we were, we were spraying, I not kidding. It was garlic and fish oil. We were spraying uh. on something. I mean, it was all kinds of, I mean, it was almonds and it was grapes. I mean, it was kind of everything, but, um, you know, who knows? Um, you haven't developed but, uh, any like a third ear or no, some kind of an odd twitch or something? Not not yet. Not yet. Okay. Not yet. That's good. <laughs> you're not you're not growing, you know, 
appendages no. that you're not supposed no, to. No, not okay. yet. Good. Good. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure we didn't wear I'm sure we weren't wearing the proper PE PPE because we were probably <laughs> you know so hot we're probably out there with our shirts off, you know, in the summer. <laughs> One of my best friends at the time, he he kind of worked worked with me, I guess. So he was just two just dudes hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> so so anyway yeah it was so basically the, yeah cal poly did the whole thing um um trying to think of anything else about cal poly so yeah basically so this was you know this was like the you know this is like the the mid late 90s you know um because i graduated like in 2000 okay um but to back up so you know we and then you know we at the time wheeling started progressing progressing you know i had a you know my my cj7 you know it was a stock you know basically stock when i got it you know with the with this you know inline six and a five speed and dan 300 and you know all that so then you start reading the magazines and you're like oh they're swapping and you know i can get this wagon here for an axle and i could i can shorten one side of it and it bolts in you know so um so we started doing that stuff, you know, at the, at the shop at school and, you know, we'd send, you know, Curry was always in the magazine. So we'd send the, you know, nobody made chromoly, you know, axle shafts at the time. So we'd just take, you know, take our shafts and we'd ship them to Curry and they would like cut and spline them. And you know, we'd go, we'd, we'd go all the pick your parts and wrecking yards and get all the Wagoneer axles and, and all that stuff. I mean, at the time, you know, 35s were like, you know, big, you know, at right. the time you know because that's all they made like a bfg all they made was like 35 and you know there was like the swampers and stuff you know yeah you, bigger, you get some but, big you could get some some of the uh tires especially the bias ply stuff with that was was bigger but right but again you know this is my daily driver so like i you know i need some just kind of a off the you know just kind of a decent mud tire so it was always like a 35 mud terrain or something but so, um, so yeah, the Jeep, you know, basically we ended up trying to think of all the stuff I did to it. So then, you know, I, I, uh, I ended up getting like an early, um, you know, I got an early, you know, that those early 80s CJs, they had this like computer controlled carburetor that was terrible and all this, <laughs> all this smog stuff on it, which had constant problems. So I, AEM had made like a, so the, the problem was, I mean, it's California, so everything had to be like carb carb approved you know and all that stuff all the stuff you bolt on but you know you know i put a header on it and a you know aem had come out with this basically like a little throttle body fuel injection system that swapped it was like probably one of the first ones that was like you know carb approved so i, I you know i had put that on there and you know i always had problems with it um you know but it was crazy how like you i mean you know aem at the time right. They were like this little shop in like Gardena or somewhere that just did like they did like import tuning stuff. It was this little shop. I mean, when I went down there and they just because had so many problems and they you know put it on the dyno and and tried to get it fixed or tried to get it right. But this is funny how you know it's a kind of a big company now, but it was like kind of nothing back then. Um, and I, I'd always drive you know in the magazine. You know, you'd have my sister lived in L.A. or Orange County, so I'd always go down there and you know, in the magazine you'd have, cause the, the magazines were in LA. So it was like the hub of off-road was like Southern California, you know, all the shops and the Dixie Beck and Foral parts. And then, so I, you know, I always go down there like Tri-County gear and, and, uh, you know, buy, you know, buy stuff down there. Um, 
one time, uh, do you remember, uh, do you remember Brian Chuchua Jeep? Yes. They had like, I guess they had got bought out by Donity or something, but they, you know, they, they'd been a Jeep dealer down there forever. Right. So they had this big like garage sale. Like it was really cool. So we went down there and bought all kinds of stuff at this kind of Jeep dealer garage sale. You know, they just had all kinds of cool old stuff. Um, so yeah, just kind of doing mods to the Jeep. You know, I ended up, uh, you know, I ended up, uh, eventually we did a spring over, you know, I, I kind of built a Dana 60, you know, rear end with disc brakes, you know, Mosher axles, and then the front, you know, built a 44, went spring over, um, later on did a, you know, at the time it was like throttle body Chevy V8, you know, so I, we swapped, uh, you know, I got a, you know, 80, you know, I don't know, 91 Chevy throttle body 350, swapped that in there with the NV 4500. That was kind of the hot deal, the hot deal at the time. And right. Got a thing worked great. It's amazing how much, you know, you had to jump through all these hoops to get a smog legal. And it was like so much simpler, so much more power, so much cleaner. And, and, and I mean, it got better mileage, you know, you have that power and torque with the right gearing, you know? So, you know, build a cage, you know, just kind of do all the, the Jeep mods, um, you know, through all through college. And, and so we started, uh, so four wheel drive. So, you know, we, you know, read all the magazines and, so they the hammers just opened up. So there was I remember there was an article in Four Wheel Drive Sport Utility about like sledgehammer and jackhammer, and that was like the trails that you know Victor Valley Four Wheelers opened up. So they kind of had a little article about it. So you know one day like me and my friend Scott, we just literally drove. We're gonna go for the weekend, and by the time it by the time it got there, we were the only ones actually going. So we drove literally drove out there. You know, you know it's a good what is it? gotta be a good five hours from yeah. from slow there um so we drove up there ran sledge ran jack and messed around for a couple of days and drove home you know and i mean that's a t- you know we had cjs with 35s and it was it was hard but it wasn't i mean nothing like it is now you know um so we we didn't up going out there like a couple times through college you know and spring break or in the fall and then we'd, we'd always do like it was fun we had a couple of years it was super fun like one of my good friends lived in he was in Fresno in the summer and I was in Bakersfield and we'd all like meet up and just go up to, to Shaver Lake or Rubicon. And we had like a good 4th of July Rubicon trip every summer, you know? So that was always really fun. So we always have, had some fun trips back then. So 4th of July, that means you came across those, those evil trail guys, the pirates. Oh yeah, oh yeah. The, I remember that was like the early days of the pirates, where they yep. were kind of like, "Oh, those are those are the pirates." Because Fourth of July you know. was always their initiation weekend. Oh yeah, I, I like I didn't know them at the time, but I'm sure you know, sure Lance was up there and Kevin Carey and all that stuff. You know, I remember. Um, yeah, I, I totally not you know not later on when you kind of put two and two together, you kind of like realize who was up there and whatnot. And that, you know, and that was back when you could camp at Spider Lake. You know, that was crazy there. Yes. And like, well, like it was Little Sluice was like insane. You know, and everybody would just camp there and camp there and at Little Sluice and and party there. I mean, most people like went to Little, little Sluice and back. You know, went there and out. Yeah, never, most people didn't went. go beyond that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we'd always either like go. It depends on when Fourth of July was. We'd like we'd somehow try to get to Tahoe for the 4th of July because it was like this big party, you know, 
just, you know, college kids or whatever. So we try to be at Tahoe for the fourth and we either like end up in Tahoe or we'd like start a Tahoe and get, go back to the trail. So that, you know, that was always pretty fun. So when, when you're doing all these modifications to your rig and your fellow club members, were you designing and building parts yourself or were you, were you guys, were you store buying them? It was, it was like, it was, we'd store buy what we have to, but we, we would try to make stuff, you know? Right. Um, you know, we, you know, obviously you're not going to buy, you know, make gears and sh- axle shafts right. and all that stuff, but obviously, but, but we would, you know, if somebody made some like disc brake bracket, you know, you know, you know, we would, we would just try to make it, you know, okay. or, you know, things like that. So, um, and you know, I mean, I remember so many times I would just like drive, you know, drive home for the weekend, tear my Jeep apart, my dad's shop, you know, <laughs> and thrash on it all weekend and then get it, get it back together to drive back Sunday night to be at school. You know, I don't know how many times I did that. <laughs> and then basically like in the summer, like I'll basically all summer, like my Jeep was apart in my dad's shop and, you know, I just drive one of their cars around and, you know, for you, you kind of get out of school and you'd have like a month to like do some huge project and then try to get it, try to get it together for the 4th of July Rubicon trip. So then when did, uh, when did four wheel drive as, as a business, um, happen for you? So, um, so when like how my last year in school, and at Polly there, one of my, um, you know, so this would be like the late nineties, one of my, you know, classmates, just a guy, you know, guy I did had some labs with, um, he, he was from Southern California and he worked at, he had worked at sway away for the summer and sway away had just bought Custer shocks. So they were, you know, you know, we were kind of starting, you know, starting to get into desert racing and, and coilovers were kind of starting to be a, to be a thing for, for the off, you know, rock crawler Jeep guys. Right. Right. So, um, a friend of mine, like, he's like, Oh yeah, I worked at this place and you know, they're making shocks and stuff. So I was, you know, so I kind of had a little connection I was like, Oh, Hey, I heard, you know, be cool to work there. He's like, Oh yeah. Call the, call the Brian Skipper and you know, or I'll call him. I don't remember how that, how it worked out, but so, but yeah, basically I just kind of went down there for like a summer internship, you know, um, you know, just to kind of, you know, do do whatever for the summer so i ended up staying there for like six months i had a I had another kind of one of my poly goat buddies he, he was from there so i like lived at his house for the six months you know so so yeah that was a so that's basically my introduction into the industry so i worked worked at sway away so at the time they were they had bought custer shocks um so custer walker evans started making i don't know if you know the story but basically Custer, uh, Custer was some, I don't know what they did, but they basically, somehow they knew Walker Evans. So Walker Evans wanted to make these big, big shocks. So they started making the shocks for Walker Evans, which, which became Custer, Custer shocks, which were, which were badass. And to this day, nobody makes a shock like Custer did. So Lance King was the engineer CAD guy there. Oh, really? Okay. So, That's so basically... Tie-in. So, so somehow, um, Custer, I don't know what happened. They just kind of were, we're done with this, this gig. So basically sway away, bought 
the Custer shock line and then Lance King left and started King shocks. Um, so, 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 so sway away makes, they kind of started out doing like a lot of the, you know, Southern California, as everybody knows, it's like the off-road racing hub, you know, so it all started with Volkswagens. So sway away made a lot of the Volkswagen suspension parts. So they, you know, they, so Volkswagens have torsion bars for the rear, the rear springs and, and actually front springs. And they have, um, you know, the, they, you know, they have those independent rear suspensions. So they have those axle shafts. So Swayway made all these spring plates and adjusters and, you know, sway, you know, torsion bars and all the stuff for Volkswagens. Um, so then, and then they also made, they also made, uh, anti, well, we call them sway bars, but they're actually anti-sway bars, right? right. Or anti-rollers. We just call them sway bars. So, um, they had a, they had a CNC tubing vendor and they would make all these like aftermarket anti-sway bars for cars. Cause like a car, you know, a sway bar is just a bent piece of, usually it's a solid, a solid bar that they bend you know, bend and, and make it in a shape and, and bolt a link on the end, you know? Right. So they would make, they would make, so they had a tubing or you could bend solid on it, but they had a CNC bender and they made a lot of the aftermarket um, sway bars. It was all private label stuff. So, so, you know, some, some company like, like Hotchkiss was a, a big customer. Like, you know, they made all these like Chevy, you know, Chevette, Chevy, you know, Chevy Camaro suspension kits and they'd have their, you know, a bigger sway bar. So we, they, they would make all these different private label sway bars on the bender. Okay. So they, so then they started making shop. Yeah. Um, and then, so they started making, uh, so that, you know, they took over Custer and, you know, they basically were just doing the, the Custer's, they ended up changing a lot of stuff from Custer, but basically, um, so I started working there just doing, uh, kind of shock, I guess shock design or just doing, you know, I didn't know anything. I didn't really know anything at the time, but just doing CAD drawings of, you know, just doing revisions and new parts and, you know, getting into shocks and getting into the desert racing scene. And, and, um, we, and we actually, we did a lot of axle shafts too, because, you know, all that Volkswagen stuff is just a, just a spline shaft that they heat treated all out of, you know, 40, 43, 40, 300 M or whatever. So we did it. we actually did a lot of like, axle shafts like now now it's common all the stuff spider tracks makes in brand i call the double splined loader shafts but we, right. we made a lot of those at the time so i kind of learned learned a bit about torsion bars and you know spline axle splines and learned a lot about um just kind of i guess you know there's a whole little thing about uh you know just torsion bars and, and axle shafts as far as you know stress and strain and strengths and spring rates and spline spline fitments and and all this stuff and heat treating and all that stuff so um pretty pretty cool pretty cool kind of pretty cool stuff that i i really enjoy doing and and you know just not it was a job it was also stuff that i like to do you know, and that do was while own. you were still a student but like during yeah the summer? i basically took yeah I, I took you know i was gonna do it for the summer end up staying for you know through the fall so i was kind of there for okay. six months and then so I, I went there for six months and then I kind of went back and finished school, you know, so I kind of got down to school in June. So then June, I went back and just worked this way away full time. Okay. So, um, um, so yeah, anyway, basically after school, we, we moved down there. One of my good friends from school, Dylan, he, I ended up getting him a job at Sway Away doing, he was a mechanical engineer. So we, him and I both worked there and we're, you know, we got a house together and, you know, he had a Toyota 
rock crawler. So, you know, we just kind of had our vehicles we were working on and wheeling and, and working there. And it was pretty fun because we got to go to, we got to go to a lot of the desert races and, you know, just spectate, but, you know, do the whole contingency vendor thing. And, and, and then work with, work with races, tuning shocks and, and tech stuff. And, um, so kind of got, got my feet wet a little bit into the whole desert, desert racing scene, you know, working, we had, we had one of our, one of our guys there, Mike, he, you know, he raced a 10 car with a guy. So, we, you know, we went to the races and, and, and helped out with him and, and went to Baja and kind of all, you know, all the races around at the time. And, um, so at the time, so that was the time. So yeah, that was like 2000 ish, I guess. Um, you know, the, the rock, the Jeep rock crawler scene, you know, the competitions were just starting, you know, we went to like an early one at Cedar city. Um, I know you talked about that a little bit being involved with that. I don't remember what year that was, but it was definitely, I want to say 98. Yeah. Well, yeah. 99. So that, I'm trying to think it had to been like 2001. Maybe okay. we went to, I don't forget what if it was Arca or what, but we went to the Cedar city thing. And so that, that whole industry was kind of, so, you know, you know, that everybody started building TJs, which were coils and links. Right. And then, then it kind of, everything moved from leaf springs to leaf springs to, you know, they're trying to scab on a coil spring and a shock on a, you know, whatever they had leaf springs, you know? So, so the coil over started to become popular, you know, so well, we kind of got, you know, at Sway Away, we kind of got hooked up with John Curry there. He, you know, he built a couple, you know, his red fire ant or, you know, all of his TJs they built at the time. And, you know, he all had Sway Aways. So we kind of worked with him a bit and kind of got to know those guys. Um, you know, at Avalanche Engineering is building everything. I mean, I think they had a lot of Sway Aways, but, you know, for some reason, like, all those guys were running Sway Aways, so I got to kind of meet and talk with a lot of those guys. You know, I remember helping, like, Pat Gramillion on that. You know, he built that, like, I independent buggy with the Hummer, you know, the Hummer suspension, you know, right. on the head coilover, so I helped him. I, got, I think I traded Pat Gramillion a set of shocks for a, for a welder, you know. <laughs> um <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, the, the, you know, that whole industry was kind of taken off with the, with the rock crawling guys with, with the coilovers, you know? Um, so we can, you know, like I said, we just worked with, worked with that whole scene and, and did that. So, so yeah, 2000, I, you know, kind of officially got done with school and just worked at Sway Away full time. And how long were you at Sway Away? Um, I guess three years there. Um, so my, you know, I had my Jeep you know, it was kind of, you know, it was a sprung over CJ with, you know, with a V8 swap and, you know, it was my daily driver. So then I bought, you know, I bought like a, I bought like a, I bought a grand a ZJ at the time. It was just my daily driver. So, so basically just, then I cut the Jeep apart. I had, you know, now that I'm, you know, working at a cool place that makes cool shocks, I'm going to build this like, you know, you know, super cool, like desert rock crawler Jeep, you know, so, you know, I built that in my garage for, you know, over God, I don't know, it was probably had it been two or three years, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I think when I worked this way, I don't think I ever had my Jeep running. <laughs> it was a part cut. It was literally cut. I mean, I literally cut it in half and built a whole, you know, built a whole, you know, I, I kept like the front half and the front two thirds of the frame, which, which was a mistake because it's a piece of junk, but, but, um, 
you know, I built, you know, built this Jeep with the coilovers and, and kind of somebody had made like a fiberglass kind of a, you know, basically sides, you know, basically bolted on fiberglass sides and got a Shannon Campbell hood on it, you know? Um, so I built that Jeep and, um, was that, so then, is that the one that, that's, that made the cover of the magazine? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's way away, you know, um, I, I kind of had just gotten the, I think I had just gotten the Jeep done and, you know, Dylan and I actually ended up leaving Sway away about the same time. Um, I, we, we moved down to orange. I had got the Jeep done. So we moved down to orange. Um, he worked at Don Ho and, you know, I was kind of doing, I don't remember what I was doing, but, um, but, uh, I was actually going to work. So Bob Gordon was going to start making shocks. Okay. Um, so he, you know, him and Robbie had been making the, the internal bypass shock, which is basically what Fox is making now. It's like the internal, it's like what the Raptors have, right? Yes. It's got the internal can. So, you know, they, they claim they invented it all. I don't know who's, who's right, but it's whatever happened. Fox basically patented it. <laughs> so the Bob was going to like make shocks. So I was going to work for for Bob or Robbie making shocks. Um, but then Fox patented it and then he's like, okay, well, this isn't gonna, this isn't gonna fly. So that just never panned out. So, so I ended up, uh, just some like kind of word of mouth got, uh, hooked up with, it was full traction Cal mini. They're up in Bakersfield. Right. Um, which is kind of where I'm from. So I ended up working for, I ended up going up there, you know, moving back up there and working for them for a few years. Um, cause you know, I'm living in Southern California and you're like, Oh, you can go to Bakersfield and buy a house, you know? <laughs> and, and, uh, and I did, you know, which was cool. And, and so I, uh, so I rent, you know, started going to a lot of the events with those guys at, at full traction. And so we went to, um, God, probably the first year I was there, we went to, you know, we'd go to TDS and, you know, and go to Easter Jeep Safari. So I had that Jeep and, you know, at the time it was pretty, pretty, you know, ahead of its time, I guess you'd call it, I don't know what you want to call it, but it was definitely like you know, way out of the box. You know, the, the kind of race, you know, it was kind more of a racer. race cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we were in Moab one year and we were like, um, wh- one of the writer, you know, one of the, it was Christian Hazel, I guess. I don't remember who, you know, I, I kind of got to meet a lot of those guys through the years through working its way away in full traction. So those guys were like, Hey, you know, this is a cool Jeep, whatever. Let's, you know, you want to do a, let's, let's, let's shoot it for a magazine feature, you know? And you're like, yeah, sure. So, you know, cause at the time, like we'd go out that we're like always jumping that Jeep. It would just like, you know, it was just like, it jump, liked to fly. you know, yeah, it was, it was fine, you know? So, uh, so yeah, we went out and did some photo shoot. It was out at the dunes. It's out in the sand dunes, like on the way to like behind the rocks, I guess. Yes. Um, so we went out there and, you know, we we're just hitting some jumps and they got that cool, you know, j- shot, you know, jump in the sand dune and, and, you know, that it came out of the magazine. It was on the cover, which is super cool. And then, you know, they had the whole little article on it. So that was, that was really cool. Um, so then I, uh, that's kind of like right after I moved to Bakersfield. So then I got Bakersfield. So I had my own house with my own garage. So I, you know, I wanted to make the, the Jeep was only like a 95 inch wheelbase. So I'm like, I need to make this thing longer. I'm going to change all this stuff. So I ended up cutting it apart and 
and you know working on it for a couple of years and getting it redone i guess so um so yeah i kind of did that for a couple of years got to you know stretched it and changed the suspension around and you know kind of basically redid a lot of it you don't by chance still have that jeep do you no no okay. no i sold it yeah um it was funny how like i every it's it's changed hands a few times, but man, every year it's like a king of the hammers. I always run into the guy like, oh yeah, I got your old Jeep, and you know, and um, but yeah, but he uh, doesn't yeah, have a around. cover, with, you know, yeah, right. with the launching it off that sand dune, <laughs> you know, with your goggles on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, That's what I remember. So we knew, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, we you know we went to all the off road expos and all the Moabs and the TDS and and we we go out to the Hammers a lot you know at the time kind of got I, I ended up meeting Frank Frank Aliotto so he's mm-hmm. a, he's one of my good friends so I ended up um, got I, I built you know I built a cage I built a couple of cages for him in in, in my garage there um, so you know got to know him real well um, so that was you know early two thousands and no no that was like. 2003 2005 ish i guess um so at so at the time one of my one of my friends from from cal poly Dave, you know dave schlossberg there you know him right he was he was just starting poly performance you know he he told the story so um you know i kind of i hooked him up with sway away and and a lot of the kind of industry or connections he started selling and you know i helped him out designing parts and he was just a friend of mine like oh here you know you know, you need to, you know, call this guy or whatever, or start selling this. And I kind of did a lot of, helped him a lot with just tech info and, and connections. And, and just, you know, he started making Hymus Limus spacers. So I just do some CAD drawings for him. So he kind of started, he started poly performance and that, you know, it's a whole other story, but, but he, you know, he, he did really, you know, he got into a, I mean, again, he told the story, he got into a niche where, you know, he was, you know, rock you know desert racers have you know cartech and mckinsey's and whatever but you know he was the guy selling to all the rock crawler guys you right. know because um and you know he got you know started you know early on with the internet so he did well with that so he grew the business he grew the business you know you know obviously is what it is today and then he kind of got to the point where um you know we wanted to start making stuff you know it's either stuff nobody made or or, you know, you know, somebody was buying from somebody, Hey, let's just, you know, make this thing in a machine shop. So yeah, bring it so in. So basically, house. yeah, to kind of, so basically I moved, I moved over to San Louis and then we started poly, poly performance manufacturing, you know, him and I as, as partnership. So basically, you know, I kind of design and, and build a lot of the parts and, you know, poly would, you know, sell it, um, and we, one of the first things we made, we kind of made a, we made a nice like TJ coilover kit because everything at the time was, you know, they're all, you know, there was like the Fabtech or the Skyjacker thing where it's all kind of bolt on, but we're like, oh, let's just make like a nice, you know, cut all the brackets off and the coil buckets and like make some shock hoops and weld them on. So, so we started making those and just, um, you know, we kind of started making, you know, at the time, like you couldn't buy all these nice brackets and tabs to build your four links. You were just buying some kind of generic tabs from some circle track catalog, you know? So I was like, let's just, you know, 
you know, with my experience at, at full traction, you know, we, we just, it was all designing sheet metal brackets and sheet metal is in like three sixteenths and quarter, but we, you know, design all these, you know, I, I kind of learned how to design all these brackets and CAD and, and get them all laser cut and formed and, and make fixtures and weld together. So, you know, making lift kits and the things that they did. So we started making a lot of like just the universal brackets, just like, Hey, I, I, I need some like axle bracket to, you know, weld onto my axle with the right bull size and the right spacing or, or some shock brackets. So we kind of made some like specific brackets, you know, for, for that type of stuff. Cause everybody's building, you know, link suspensions and coilovers at the time. So we we just started making a lot of those kind of universal brackets. And nowadays, I mean, basically all the, it's all the stuff, you know, Artec and, you know, there's, you know, there's a dozen different companies kind of just knocking each other off, making all the same stuff, you know, right. but, uh, we were kind of like the first ones to kind of make a lot of that stuff. And we made like the Dana 60, you know, the, the hub, the hub gear drive gear. Um, you know, we, we had those made and, um, so yeah, we just started kind of making a bunch of cool, you know, uh, rock crawler builder parts, uh, you know, under poly poly manufacturing. And then, um, jk's came out you know in 07 so we bought a four-door jk and a two-door uh well, we bought a four-door so like we're gonna make some suspension parts and bumpers and rockers and all that jk stuff so we, we kind of started out early doing that um and then they had this uh one of the early like i think it was off-road magazine somebody had like a jk suspension shootout where everybody had to bring a two-door jk and put your suspension kit on it and we're gonna you know, have all the companies meet up in Parker, Arizona and drive them and test them and evaluate it. So we did that. We got a two door JK and had a, you know, a three, four inch suspension kit. So we did, we did fairly well with that kit. And then, so we just started making all the JK suspension kits. You know, we made a long arm kit and a, some good short arm kits and, you know, and uh, made some bumpers and rockers and, and cage kits and all that stuff. So kind of sell, started selling that more through, through Quadratech and other distributors and the business was growing and, you know, poly poly was growing and, and it kind of got to the point where um, I just kind of, I was kind of done, done, done in a partnership. So I decided to, to sell, to sell my half of the business today. So I did that. Um, and I guess I missed, I, I skipped the part where we did a lot of stuff with Fred Williams, you know, he, he he kind of came to us or to me or with a lot of the the tech information and you know we we helped him do that the kind of infamous he had his big suspension geometry article in 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 Peterson's four wheel off road that we helped him with that was pretty popular so he um he wanted to build a buggy um so we and I I had wanted to build like a cha- you know at the time it was like you know, guys were building tube chassis, but they were all custom. And I was just like, Hey, uh, let's just build, I want to build a standard chassis that we can just like here, weld this chassis and ship it to you and you put it together type of thing where, where guys were doing that at the time, but there were pretty much all like one-offs and, you know, some guy's garage. Right. Right. Um, and I, I didn't want to build complete buggies, you know, you know, twisted did a lot of that stuff. I just like, let's just kind of, figure out like a, you know, cause I did everything in CAD. So like, let's just design a buggy and let's just make it. And this is our, this is our buggy, you know, buy it the way it is or not, you know, and then we could sell, then Polly could sell them all the shocks and the rod ends and all the parts to go with it. So, so Fred Williams wanted to build the fun buggy. So 
you know, we ended up building that for him, which kind of, it just took a big, it took a big detour from what, from what I wanted and what Fred wanted. So it just ended up being like just a custom buggy, but it, it was really cool. And like, we made some super cool stuff, you know, on the build and, and, uh, you know, he got those portals on it. And so we ended up doing the fun buggy, which was a lot of good press. Cause I mean, God, that was, I don't know, over a couple of years, it was a dozen, dozen different articles, you know? Right. Um, so at the time, you know, we, I, we never followed through there building the buggy, the, the chassis. Um, but we, we had, we had a bunch, you know, we, we had a lot of requests about, Hey, I don't want to, I don't want to buy the whole thing, but can I just buy like the chassis plans from you? You know? Um, and you're like, yeah, no, it's like, it's so much work. It's, it's like a ton of work to, to, to produce something that you could use. And then what do you just, what are you going to do? Just go give it to your buddies and, you know, or put it out online, you know, so everybody can copy it, who knows. So, so that never happened, but just kind of gave me the idea of, uh, you know, making like a plans or whatnot. And, and at the time we, we started, you know, the tube laser cutting kind of became, started becoming like available and, and, and affordable, available, whatever we're going to call it. Cause we were, we were getting some parts laser tube laser cut at, at, center, at poly um, or to back up. So poly, Polly got into some legal problems with the name Synergy Suspension. So, um, well, no, to back up, I guess. So, so we we wanted to at Polly Manufacturing. We wanted to to because um, there was Polly Performance and Polly Manufacturing. We wanted to kind of separate the two name wise because now we're selling, trying to sell our products to other resellers. So we didn't want to like be competing with Polly. So we we wanted to like branch off and give it a different name. So they, they, we came up with synergy suspension later. They came, they had to change it to synergy manufacturing or something, but, but basically it, it turned in poly manufacturing turned into synergy. Um, and now they're kind of going more towards the, more towards the bolt on parts. I don't think they really make much of the, the kind of welded, welded builder parts. Right. Um, but, but anyway, um, so anyway, so with Fred's buggy, we got that done and, and um kind of you know um at the back of i don't but uh basically so i kind of i got out of the business and then um i i had the idea to to make a a buggy kit and get it all laser cut and i'm like with with the with the laser cutting and the cad design i mean the stuff fits really well so i mean my like, guy should just make a kit where you know i could People could buy you know, a chassis just, kit. Yeah, you could like here. Here's our standard thing. I'm gonna get ten of them cut at a time, and and you know buy the kit. And um, it was nice because you know shipping a whole chassis across the country is is really expensive. But shipping the kit, you know, we can you know Put you can pack that all on a pallet. <laughs> yeah. And shit, I could you know at the time nowadays with diesel prices, it's more. But but you could ship that almost anywhere for three hundred dollars. You know, so. Um, so we, so basically, I um, I started Goat Built, just my own company. With with, um, so I started my own company, Goat Built, and my plan was just to make these chassis kits, and then, you know, maybe make some cages and making whatever stuff because I kind of got the whole CAD design and, and tube cutting figured out. Um, and then with the, with the chassis, I, you know, I wanted to make a, um, um make a kit, but then like you can buy the tube chassis, but you know, 
we can design all the shock mounts, all the engine mounts, all the panels, all the motor mounts, so the winch mount. I mean, pretty much we can design all that stuff and have it laser cut. So you can just buy it and you weld it together, you know? So, um, and that's so what I started. You, go- that's what you've started to do. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I started go built and then, um, you know, designed a chassis took, you know, kind of put on pirate at the time. Pirate was the thing, you know, still, and then, you know, it was, it was a big hit there and, and went out to King of the hammers, um, King of the hammers, uh, you know, 20, uh, 2011, 2012. Okay. So yeah, did, did K, you know, and it, it was just a big, kind of a pretty big, pretty big hit there just cause it was, it was different. Nobody at the time, nobody was really at least rock crawler guys. Nobody was really, uh, you know, getting the chassis laser cut. You know, the, the problem is it's all the CAD design because, you know, most guys are just kind of building the garage, you know, cutting and notching too, but the, the whole, the CAD design is just the whole like big step between building the chassis and, you know, getting a laser cut. Somebody, somebody's got to design this thing in CAD, you know, and, and, and do all that work, which is what I, which was what I kind of did, you know? Okay. And that was one of those was like what Jason Reeves bought. Is that correct? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Okay. Cause he raced with us in dirt riot and had one of those, one of your chassis. Yeah. Oh yeah, he 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 uh, got he bought he bought one of the early ones. Yeah. How many chassis do you offer now? Well, we have we basically um, we have, so our 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 main chassis I called it the ibex, which right. was which is a, so the ibex is like a species of goat of a goat. So to, to tie the whole goat built thing. So basically, the ibex is the big. It's the mountain goat with the big horns. It's on the side of a cliff, you know. Um, so that's your kind of stereotypical mountain goat, you know, so that's our Ibex. We make our Ibex and we make a two seater and a four seater. Um, they're kind of like LS engine, Atlas transfer case, you know, 14 bolt, Dana sixties, whatever, you know, 40 inch tire, um, more, more of a recreation buggy. You know, a lot of guys want, some guys have raced them or a lot of guys wanted to race them. We just, you know, I'm like, I'm going to make a recreation wheeler buggy cause there's going to be a, a hundred of those to one racer guy, you know, exactly. so I'm like, you know, some guys have bought them in racing, but this is not what I kind of planned or designed it to be. Um, so then we, then later at the time, you know, I, I wanted to make a, a TJ chassis. So like, Hey, I wanted to like, let's make a tube chassis that you can like drop a TJ tub on and have kind of a, you know, badass jeep it's like part buggy part jeep you know that you can run the top and doors on and and kind of run around run, run it on the street if you wanted so we make we do make a chassis like that it, it kind of got it got you know, once we started designing it you know it like kind of kind of went crazy where we we don't use much of the tub we basically cut off the sides and the cowl and stick a you know stick a a jeep you know sides and cowl on and we make a whole whole new floor panel, but it's basically a buggy, a buggy that looks like a Jeep, you know. Um, so you know we're selling a few of those too. Awesome. And what other is it? Just pretty much chassis is what you're doing. No, we you know we we you know with with the chassis I started making you know you're just like hey I need a gas tank. Well, you know what what do we buy? So I ended up like designing a gas tank and. And had a local place roto mold it, and in you know, in a lot of the parts I made, well, that you know, 
it's made for a chassis, but like all these other guys will buy it too that are putting it into whatever buggy or truck or, or Jeep or whatever they're building. So um, like the gas tanks were one. So we sell a few of those gas tanks. It's like a nice poly tank. So it's not going to, you know, all these aluminum tanks crack or split. Right. So it's not going to crack. And Especially then it takes like tab a tab them. And I see so many yeah. of those tanks tabbed. Yeah. 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 They're tricky. Um, but it takes just a drop, like an off the shelf Chevy truck fuel pump that drops in there and it just works really well. The, the fuel pump does, you know, I'm sure, I mean, you know, I'm sure you've seen tons of guys with fuel, fuel problems or fuel pump problems or whatever on the trail, but I mean, you have zero problems because it's a nice and tight pump. And then we, um, part, so part of the problem, you know, I, d- I designed the, the chassis around an LS engine because that's what everybody's doing. It's cheap and it's easy and super common. So with the, everybody buys a truck engine or a, you know, there's a, basically a truck, truck Tahoe suburban type engine. They drop in there. Right. Five, three, six liter. So, um, so the problem is that the power steering pumps down low. So, you know, on a, on these rock crawler buggies, everybody's building with a triangulated upper link, you know, the upper links come up and the, the, you know, they hit the power steering pump. And, and also, you know, we're all buying like a, high performance pump from PSE or how or something. So a lot of guys, we have to, a lot of times we want to convert it to a different pump. So on the LS engines, I started making, you know, I had got the CAD, you know, I had got the CAD CAD solid model from, from GM through SEMA. And I basically designed some power steering brackets to move a, move the pump up, but also adapt to different pumps. So that kind of started a whole other kind of part of our business where we make all these different kind of power steering pump relocation conversion brackets for it's they're specifically for LS engines. Okay. But uh but basically allows you to, you know, because a lot of guys are running dual pumps if they got a rear steer, or they, you know, we have you know things to move the alternator to the other side and run, you know, run, you know, we got we have mounts for like four different pumps. So we do a lot of those for guys. I mean, it's it's not just all it's 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 funny we get like rock crawler guys we got jeep guys we got um we get a lot of the pre-runner guys and you know you know you know building some kind of mini trophy truck and and they need to put a big howl pump on it or something and then we get like raw kinds of random hot got hot rod guys and <laughs> we got these there's all these guys they they're, they get mustangs and they put five five three chevy engines with a with with twin turbos on Ooh, them, that's you know? sacrilege. <laughs> so we get those guys buying brackets and, and whatnot. And we just kind of started making a bunch of little kind of, you know, a lot of the stuff is, was made for our buggy, but it kind of crosses over to like any other kind of off-road vehicle. And so we're, we just do a lot of that stuff. So question um, for you, um, the LS like bracketry that you've got to lift the pump, mm-hmm. is that the LS is the LQ motors close enough to the ls because i know it's an ls design but it's the cast iron is are the uh, are the mountings the same yeah all the bolt patterns the same okay on the ls stuff there's different belt spacing so it's basically how you know how far front or back the belt is from the engine okay so like the corvettes the belts are really close to the engine and the camaro they're a little further and the truck they're a little further out so the they all physically bolt up the same to the to the head. You know, most of the stuff kind of bolts to the heads. All that stuff kind of you know, and there's different water pumps too. But all that stuff kind of 
bolt it's all bolt on and we have like different length spacers for the different belt spacing okay so it, it's it's cool because it fits i mean guys it's it's 12 15 years of engines that all that stuff kind of works on you know right i just i just had uh we're i'm in the process of building another cherokee an xj but oh, okay. it's got a lq4 um in it with uh with a 700 r4 behind it and an atlas Okay. And so um, I don't know what Novak used bracketry-wise. It's something I, I've got a list of everything. I just haven't really paid attention to it. But uh, it's good to know. You know, I, there, there's things, there's so much of this stuff that I don't have any clue on because I'm oh, an sure. event promoter. I'm not a builder. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a whole, it's a whole, like, little thing you got to figure out, you know? Yeah. It's just, you just – Every little part of that thing is like, oh, with transmissions and shocks and just so many different systems and components, you got to kind of like learn and figure out, figure it all out. How so, it fits. Yep. Yeah. So what's coming in the future for, for Goat Built? I, I think it's more the same, I guess, to back up. We, um, you know, I, I guess the bag, you know, so I, I started, started the business in, in, um, San Luis Obispo, you know, because that's where Polly was. And then my my wife, she's from Wisconsin here in the Midwest. So, you know, when, once I was kind of done with Polly, I was kind of like, well, you know, we don't have to be here for any reason. I mean, it's nice, nice living here, but it's expensive. So we decided to move back here where she's from and, and you were kind of like Southeast Wisconsin, you know, because we were in San Luis Obispo. It was like, a, you know, we could buy our condo we live in for, we could buy our condo we rent for 350 grand or we can buy like a nice big house and property in a shop in Wisconsin, you know? So, <laughs> so we ended up moving, moving back here and, and it's, and it's nice cause it's like, I'm right in the middle of Chicago and Milwaukee and, you know, all, kind of in the hub of manufacturing in the U S is all, there's so much stuff made here. So it's, it's been, it's been a good move in that regard. Cause I have lots of steel suppliers and laser cutters and, and you know, you name it, it's less than, you know, an hour away. So, um, and then I always tell people, it's funny, like whatever I paid in California, you knock off 20%, you know, whatever laser cutting you had done or, or whatever you're doing. So, so with, with my chassis, we used to outsource all the tube laser cutting and it, it just, it's a pain because these chassis, I mean, there's literally a hundred different, hundred different tubes, you know, it's fine if you're getting like, Hey, laser cut me 500 of this one part. It's easy, but you're like, Hey, I need, you know, I need six of this and five of that. And I need, you know, it's literally, there's a hundred different tubes and you need, and so you're and we're getting like 10 of them cut at a time. And so it's a big order and a big chunk of change. And we would laser cut them. And then, you know, I, I have a, you know, a, a mandrel tube bender. So we would bend them and, and, and kit the chassis. So we kind of got to a point where um, it was just a big backup and it was just a pain. So I ended up buying a, buying our own CNC tubing cutter. So we started cutting our own chassis in the house, which was, it's been just a huge, really nice, really nice deal. So we started actually cutting, we're, we're actually doing a lot of other outs. I guess we're doing a lot of job shop type tube cutting, tube cutting and bending. I mean, we've been bending, cutting and bending a lot of people, other people's chassis. You know, there's a lot of nice. guys that are like, Hey, I, de- I designed this chassis in Bintech, you know, and I need to get it cut, you know, and, and they'll get one of them or they'll get five of them, you know? 
So that's awesome. And they're kind of our competitors, but I mean, they're all so different, you know, it's like everybody, every chassis builder has got kind of their own style and their own different, they're all different. So, right. you know, I'm like, you know, they're, you know, so whatever I'm like, Hey, you know, somebody's got to cut them. So might as well, might as well do it and, and make money doing that. But, and it's kind of, and I think it, it's helpful for a lot of the guys because we kind of speak the same language, you know, it's like, you know, when I was trying to get stuff tube cutting, you know, when I was trying to outsource it, you talk to five different places and only one of them kind of, they kind of get what you're doing and they, they can do it and want to do it and they can do it at a decent price. Or now, you know, like, Hey, we cut tube chassis and the guy's like, Hey, I, you know, I need a chassis. Yeah, yeah no problem. That's what we do. And it's easy, you know? Um, and, you know, with, with the CAD stuff, I can help them out with that. So we've been doing a lot of that. Um, and, uh, but yeah, future wise, we're just, we're just doing more of the same. And we've been like, God, COVID has been just crazy busy. Uh, you know, I think everybody else I've heard on your show has been saying the same thing. Yeah, you know, for sure. The economy's been moving. The industry's been moving. So we're just busy. I, I just need to focus on kind of hiring some more people and, and just growing the business, you know, doing what we're doing. So how many employees do you have now? We have two, two, two full-time guys and a part-time guy. Okay. So um, we have, you know, I just kind of got lucky and stumbled on, stumbled across a couple of really good guys that just, they're smart and show up every day and do it, do a good job. And that's all um, anybody asks for. Literally, there's no BS. They're just solid dudes that are never, you know, you know, never, never get any BS. So it's, it's been nice. So got lucky with those guys. So it's, you know, it's, it's, (laughs) I'm hesitant now because it's like, Nobody wants to work now, and you're like, can you can you even hire anybody now? I don't even know, but I just got to kind of hire some more people. You know, we I have two, I have three, three, three small kids now, so I've I've been busy. You know, my wife works full time and goes has been going to school, so I've been been almost working part time lately, running running the kids around. So, um, so so I just got I got to hire some more people to kind of do what I do what I can't do. So, you know. so let's, let's talk about how you met your wife. She's from Wisconsin. You're yeah. from California. How yeah. did that happen? Oh, she basically moved, moved to San Luis. Oh, okay. Just, she's a nurse. She's a nurse. Till, her name's Tilly. Uh, so she's a nurse and she kind of got a traveling gig out to, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the Midwest nurses, you know, they're young and I'm going to, I want to, you know, go do fun stuff. So they all get a traveling gig and, you know, California, you know. Um, right. That sounds pretty, it's pretty common because, you know, you know, after I met her, a lot of her like nurse coworkers were all, it's, it's funny how many of them are from the Midwest. And so she moved out there and met her, you know, and, uh, you know, we got married out there in California and then, you know, we wanted to have kids and she's like, Oh, let's move, you know, move by my family, you know, move by my family. They can watch the kids and stuff. So, so we did that. Awesome. And how so, old's your oldest? Uh, so we have tw- seven-year-old twins and then a six-year-old. Okay, <laughs> all, all girls. Wow. So one, one of them, one of them, uh, one of them's the kind of crazy one who, who's kind of jumps on anything and and rides it or drives it or whatever. So, you know, we, you know, we we started going to, you know, I I grew up not grew up, but like, you know, you know, Crandon, you know, Crandon is, you know, Crandon. Oh but yes. Crandon is the it's the ball, you know, it's the big house you're in, for if us. You're in desert racing. It's the Baja 1000 of, you know, desert racing. It's the, 
you know, short course race. So, I mean, it's, it's a Northern Wisconsin, but it's, you know, four hours away. So we, we started going to those races, just me and my wife, and we just go have fun for the weekend. And then, then we, then we had the kids and bring the kids. And one of them was, one of them's just like, I want to race. And, and, uh, so, so it's, it's champ off road now that does the series. So they have a little razor, it's a razor 170. So it's like this, I mean, they're kind of these cheap little Chinese made razors, but so they have a class where they're like air quotes stock, you know, stock with, uh, with like this, you know, like the cage and all the required, you know, the necessary cage. safety stuff. Right. So it's a total beginner class. So, so she wanted to do that. So we, you know, we did that. I got a razor and, and put it, you know, built a cage and built it. So she raised it all last, all last season. So we're, we're doing that all summer. I mean, that's, you know, there's six races in three months. So it basically that's kind of what we're doing. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Which is fun. You know, it's, uh, you know, I, I like doing it, you know, it's a lot of work, but you know, you're, you're kind of doing, doing wrenching on stuff and doing all that. I don't, I don't get to wheel too much anymore with, with the kids. I just haven't, haven't, you know, I had a buggy that I wheeled and then somebody wanted to buy it. So I'm like, Oh yeah, no problem. I'll, you know, I'll build another one. And then, you know, six years later, so I still haven't built one. <laughs> yeah, I get it. It's like when I was and a then, landscape contractor, my house was the shittiest one in the neighborhood. Yeah. You know, it just so, didn't uh, happen. <laughs> yeah. And, and even if you, you know, even I've built, had time to build one, it's like, I, I'd hardly have time to, to, you know, to go wheel it, you know, and it's, it's tough being here. Cause like we're, there's not really much wheeling here. I mean, the closest thing we have is the Badlands, and that's four hours away. Um, you know, or or you're making a big trip, you know, out to Moab or somewhere. You know, um, so it's just it's tough. It's just been tough lately with the with the with the business and the kids to to find the time to do all that stuff. Well, you know, so, you're you're uh, still young enough, and your kids are young. Enjoy them. Run your business. Yeah. Do what you can, and then. You know, as they get older, you know, you're going to find more time. Oh, for, oh yeah, for sure. So it's, it's good to do it, you know? Yeah. No, I ended up buying a razor because, you know, up here there's, um, up North, there's all, there's a bunch of snowmobile trails and then in, in, in the summer they're ATV trails. So now, now the UTVs are huge. So you can just drive UTVs up there. I mean, most of the stuff's dirt roads or even like street roads, but there is some decent, you know, there's nothing technical, but yeah, there's some decent fun trails, you know. And some of that stuff so, is like old railroad line, you mm-hmm. know, where they may have been logging or something at one point, and now they're not using those those spurs, so they're just, uh, you know, they just turned them into to trails. I, I think I've seen a lot of that at least in uh, – in the Northeast in like Vermont, New Hampshire. Yeah. Yeah. We had this like pipeline. I'd never been on it, but they had this like pipeline trail where there's, you know, there's a big, this cleared, cleared path of the trees. They put some power lines or pipeline or something that they had some trails, but I don't know, you know, it's people, people, you know, you take it for granted living out West because there's, there's no public land here. You know, you get, you get east of Colorado. There's like no public land to exactly. off road. I mean, you, people don't realize that, but there's none. I mean, it's all private parks. You know, it, you know, probably you know east of Colorado. You know, so, um, but it still amazes me how many guys, you know, guys all over the country wheel. You know, it's funny with our buggy kits. How um, you know everybody kind of thinks we ship them all to California and Arizona, but man, we ship them all over. 
you know, I mean, a, a fair amount go out west, but but a lot of them don't, you know. So right, Pennsylvania, that Virginia, and then down into uh, the South, um, Tennessee, Alabama. Those are those are pretty big areas, aren't they? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, then yeah, they have. There's a lot of good parks, you know, especially in the South. There's a lot of parks, yeah, there offered parks, yeah. So um, I think the rock, yeah, there's all, you know, like there's jeepers everywhere and, you know, the rock bouncers are big down there. So there's a lot more of that, but, but yeah, we've, yeah, we, we've sold the, sold the, sell a lot of parts or chassis all over, but there's, yeah, there's been a few down there. Cool. Well, excellent. Um, You know, I know it's, uh, we got started at nine o'clock your time. That's the evening people. And, uh, <laughs> it, I'm on the West coast, so it only was seven for me. So it was pretty easy, yeah. but, uh, Drew, I want to say thank you so much for coming on board and, uh, you know, and sharing your story with us. And, uh, yeah, no. if anybody's looking for a chassis, I mean, goat built, you know, you heard him, he's got, he's, he's got the possibilities for you. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for having me. It's been good to talk to you. I, I, I haven't even seen you in a few years, I'm sure, but. But, uh, but yeah, I've been, I've been enjoying the show. So I'm glad to, glad to be on it and kind of share my story. So awesome. Well, I appreciate it. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Well, have a good night. Okay. Thanks, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Conversations with Big Rich. Please let your friends know about this podcast. Let us know what you think of Conversations with Big Rich. Please forward ideas to me contacts of those that I should attempt to interview, leave a rating on any of the services you found us on. We look forward to your comments and ideas. Enjoying life is a must. Follow your dreams and grab all the gusto you can.